Good morning, everybody. I don't know whether you say good morning in Australia or not. Some people say good morning back, some people don't. It's very Papua New Guinean, I'm sorry, I slip into ways of pigeon. So if I speak really badly, it's not because I'm uneducated, I'm in between two languages at the moment, so please forgive me. Morning, everybody. Morning. I'd say morning, Oligata, in pigeon. Good morning. All right, well, firstly, I'd like to say thank you for your prayers and support over the years that we've been away. It's a big blessing and a help. And uh, so praise the Lord for your generosity. We always are thankful to the Lord for your prayers and your support. So that is a big blessing and a big help to us. Um, yeah, so we've been up in New Guinea for seven years altogether. I'm not sure when we came through here. We've only been here two times before. This is our third time. So some of you may not know me and my family. I'm Chris Dagan and Sarah and Jeshua and Simeon and Reuben and Micah. One is he's not at home sleeping. He's actually just up at church where we're staying. So I don't think he's just sleeping in. Uh, so we were, he would come down, but we don't logistically fit in a lot of cars around this place. We're not in New Guinea where we can throw him on the roof rack or in the boot anymore. So... <laughs> or else we would all come, but anyway, praise the Lord. Um, so yeah, we've been working up in a village called Kargu. That's where we were some years ago. And we're working in a church there with a national uh, preacher. And so just really long three years in 10 minutes kind of thing. We were working on getting the church not dependent on me as a missionary, as tends to happen a lot in Papua New Guinea. And so we spent the last couple of years training Peter. If you think about the church in Kargu, also think about Peter and pray for him. Uh, he's leading the church up there. And I was preparing him and training him so he could take the church. And we were working and studying and discipling and training and spent a lot of time with him. And it was exciting to see the growth, amen. Uh, seeing the growth that I saw in him over the time. For Papua New Guineans, uh, they're not very educated, some people, and I don't mean to be putting them down or anything, don't think that I am, but it's the way it is. Uh, and so to train them to actually study and read the Bible is difficult, okay? It is difficult. They get saved and they get excited, right? And Peter is an evangelist. He's a preacher and he, in, he's always going and he's always having opportunities and giving out tracts and witnessing to people whenever he can. And so, but for Papua New Guineans, it's hard to get them to preach a broad spectrum of Bible. You know, it's usually gospel all the time and, and some stories here and there. And so it was really exciting to teach him through things, through local church. Local church is a big problem in Papua New Guinea because, and that's too hard to explain, uh, but you need to teach some local church, family, all of these things and teaching through the Bible how the Bible works together. It fits how it goes from Adam through to Christ. You know, there's a genealogies there and everyone loves genealogies, don't they? Tell me you do, because I am secretly not preaching on Psalm 19, but Chronicles 1 tonight. No, not really. <laughs> but there are genealogies in the Bible that are really exciting, and they're good. And you can get through from Adam, through Genesis, through to Christ, and the history of it, and how it fits and makes sense, and teaching them different doctrines and, and, and a lot of different things. And we started to see changes in Peter. This was obviously before the Lord was moving us. And he started preaching series. Okay, series. I like preaching on series. Uh, you can flow through, but Papua New Guineans, it's, it's very difficult. He started preaching series. 
serieses. That's a word in pigeon, by the way, <laughs> if it's not English. And, uh, and then he really started to grow, and he actually spent about five or six weeks preaching against his culture. Now, you should all be saying wow about that, because that is really amazing. Okay? And he actually was preaching against the culture in the local area where we are. He was calling names of places, like place names in the area, this waterhole and this little spot here in the bush and this swampy area over here. And, and, and there were so many things that I didn't know what was going on as an outsider. Uh, we don't know what happens. We, I'll just be honest with you, I really don't know what happens up there in the bush because we don't speak their local language, which is called talk place. We speak in pidgin, but it's all hide. And, and we actually discovered through Peter preaching that even Christians and people in the church are involved in sacrificing chickens before they go digging in particular areas in the river when they go finding gold. Now, isn't that interesting? And, and we're sitting in church and I'm going, well, no wonder we're not getting anywhere for these people, right? Because they're doing that. And, and then he's learning and he's seeing that these things, you, and he says, you can't do that. And when they do roadworks, there was some years ago they did roadworks. And before they did roadworks in this particular area, they had to stop all the roadworks and get everyone together and get piles and piles of food and boxes of lamb flaps and chickens and rice and everything. And they made a sacrifice to the spirits before they could do these roadworks. I didn't know any of these, right? And he goes, and we were all there eating it afterwards. We shouldn't have been there. We shouldn't be doing these things. We shouldn't be doing this. We shouldn't be afraid of these places, you know. Superstitions like go down here and your pregnant women will lose their babies, you know, all these kinds of things like this. And he's growing in God's word and he's using the Bible and he's showing the people them in their language. You know, that's amazing seeing that growth. Uh, it was really exciting for us and we knew that God was leading him into this position because we didn't really know about the timing, but we knew God was going to be leading us off at some point. We knew that we weren't going to be there, we didn't know when, we didn't know where, but we figured, well, even if the church is completely off us and onto him, we can do something else, even if we're still living in this place. You know? And so watching Peter grow and watching uh, some of the men grow, there was men in the church were having our men's meetings on Saturdays and spending time with Peter afterwards on Sundays, and we had a good youth meeting and things like this, and Peter's keeping these youth meetings going. And uh, that's a blessing to see. So that, that's where we're at in Cargo. And the Lord led us off. We went, uh, visited another missionary at a place called Wow. Now you can all say it. I know you want to. Yeah, it's Wow. It's literally said Wow, okay? Not quite spelt that, but spelt W A U, okay? So that A U sound in pigeon makes that owl sound. Kind of like Audi, you know, the car. Uh, and wow, so we moved, we went and visited uh, this missionary. There was two missionaries there and one had left, gone back to America and there's a Bible college there and we went and visited and the Lord just opened up the door uh, for us to move there. And it's exciting and it was exciting and we went and we visited, had a break, visited this guy, went back to Cargo. Uh, we didn't make any commitments. We went, well, I'm gonna go there. He says, come and teach first, you know, you know just pray about it. I'm not asking you to come, but there's an opportunity. I can see what you're doing there, and it's good. You're moving away, and, and uh, come and teach for a couple of weeks. 
and just come and see, you know, how the Lord leads. There's a house there for you to stay in while you're here. And so we were praying, obviously, and talking with my pastor and, you know, talking about how the Lord's leading and other missionaries too, friends that we could get counsel off as well in the place. And uh, it was obvious that it was the Lord's work. And that's exciting because we're wondering what to do and how because it's, you know, difficult, you know what to do and where to move to. And so we went out, I went out and spoke, I taught in the Bible college for two weeks and said, yeah, I believe that this is what the Lord wants us to do. And the Lord just opened the door to go out to this place called Wow. And that's where we are now, it's where we moved. We moved there about four months before we came to Australia. So we haven't really unpacked still when we get back there. So, uh, but it's all new and we don't know everything that the Lord's got in store for us, but there is, Lots of opportunities. The missionary there, Gary Keck, he'll be, he lives on the Bible College uh, station with us. Um, he's got a church plant out there that we'll need some looking after while he's in America at the moment, RI, Bible College teaching, uh, lots of local churches around that local area as well to be involved in and to encourage and to, that's what we've been doing, just getting to know the place and visit these places. And it was exciting to see there's, in that area we've been, uh, visiting about seven or eight churches just within an hour's drive from well, from our station uh, and there's about seven or eight little little churches up on the mountain and down by the water and over there and and they're graduates from the Bible College amen so they've you know got saved the church has sent them they got the training in Bible College and they've gone back and they're still in ministry so that, that's where we're at and that's where we're heading back to uh, so Lord willing, we'll be heading back to PNG by the end of January. Uh, we did come back for a short break, and as missionaries always do, they always stay for longer than they say they said they were going originally. But that's not my fault. We had visa problems, passport problems, these things happen. And uh, Joshua had needed a new passport and visa and logistical things happen like this. Uh, so by the middle of January, we'll fly back up to Cairns, spend some time in our home church up in Melanda. And by the end of January, before Bible College starts up, be back in Papua New Guinea. So that's where we're at. And we can talk more about this afterwards if you like. But uh, let, let's just go into God's Word. Let, let's pray first. Let's pray before we uh, go into the Word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for what you're doing, for what you're doing here, for what you're doing in New Guinea what you're doing everywhere Lord you said that you will build your church and the gates of hell will not prevail Lord we just pray you help us to be faithful faithfully teach your word and training people and studying and reading we thank you for your word Lord we thank you for Jesus for dying for us for uh, giving his life for us Lord we thank you for all of these things we pray bless us now guide us we pray in Jesus name amen Amen. Oh, Alright, if you've got your Bible, open up to Psalm 19. We'll be in Psalm 19. Uh, we read the whole chapter. It's only 14 verses. It's not very long. And uh, we're going to look at the sufficiency of Scripture, how the Scripture is able to save. Amen? Able to save. If God's revealed himself in two ways. We see God through creation. Uh, Romans 1.20 tells us that. You know, the Actually, let's turn there first before we start in Psalms. Sorry, I should have told you that. But Romans chapter 1 and verse 20. Romans. Not too far. 
Romans chapter 1 and verse 20, it says, For the invisible things of him from creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead. You know, we can see the power of God through creation um, so that they are without excuse. There is no one who has an excuse. Go back to Psalm 19, but just keep that thought in mind there. Uh, Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament show up his handiwork. You know, when, when I'm in New Guinea and with my youth, youth class, particularly with my youth classes, I like giving them opportunities to ask questions. And they ask questions. And you should do it with youth groups here. I'm not telling you what to do, but you should do that. Uh, but I, I put out a box and I give them little pieces of paper, give everyone a little piece of paper and say, write questions down and stick them in the question box. Because there's no point me standing up here just speaking about who knows what that's not really helping you when you've got things that you need to know about. And I first did that in Australia in RI up in the school in a grade five, six class in Queensland. And you know how difficult it is to do RI in schools. You're not allowed to say this, you're not allowed to say that, you can't do this, you can't give them this, you can't, you know. But if they ask, you're allowed to answer questions. Right, there's a little loophole. My wife told me this one. She's smart. She's a lawyer. <laughs> She's a teacher though. Um, and so that was really interesting. And I only did it on one week. So I said, so next week, give me your questions. And I literally spent three terms answering kids' questions. Isn't that amazing? That's how many I had. I said, I will answer your questions, all of them. Any question you put in, I'll answer it to the best that I can. And you can't do it in one week. Some weeks you answer one question, two. And I got all sorts of questions. I got questions like, how do you make ice cream? <laughs> But you know what I did? I answered it. Because I said I would. Didn't go into much detail. I said, you get milk, sugar, freeze it, and you eat it. It's good. But I got serious questions like, why did my mum die? Why did God create the evil snake? Snake. You know, things like this. Are there angels? Are there angels watching over us? Is there a God? Is there heaven? Is there hell? And I had a whole box full of questions, and I did that in New Guinea as well. And do you know what they ask? The same questions. Who did Cain marry? That's a really interesting one. It's a good one. <laughs> if you read Genesis chapter 5, you would find the answer. That's what I kept telling them. Uh, lots of questions. And, and then I got another question too, which said, what happened to our Tumbuna? What happened to our ancestors, our grandparents that were in New Guinea? Because missionaries only came to New Guinea in like the 30s and the 40s and on like this. But what about hundreds of years before when there was no missionaries and they never heard the gospel and they were living out here in the valleys and on the mountains and they never heard the gospel? What about them? That's a serious question, isn't it? How would you answer that? You know, and and you know what we we know we know what the answer is, and it's sad, isn't it? It's sad. And, and I start that answer with Romans chapter one and verse twenty. And I said, I'm sorry that missionaries took so long to get here, but we're here now. So listen to us. I actually did that, <laughs> but they're without excuse. 
And the heavens declare the glory of God, Psalm 19. It says, the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth his handiwork. We can see God's power through creation. I love creation. I love bushwalking and mountains and cliffs and waterfalls. And, you know, I love all of this stuff and, and seeing God's work. And it is so big. When you look at space, space is just enormous. Space is huge, isn't it? And uh, day unto day uttereth speech, night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. There is nowhere in the world that does not see God's creation. Every culture, ancient culture, remote culture of Papua New Guinea or the Amazon and Africa, everywhere there is nowhere where people never saw the stars and never saw the cycle of the moon and never saw the sunrise and never saw the creation and the trees and everything and seeing God's handiwork, there is nowhere, no language that didn't hear it and didn't see it. It's all there for everyone to see so that they are without excuse. God's revealed himself through his creation. He's revealed himself through his word. And creation is enough to condemn. But God's word is sufficient to save. Let's keep going on here. Let's keep going down. Uh, where are we up to? Verse 5, it says... Uh, verse 4, it says, Their line is gone out through all the earth, and the, and the worlds, and their words to the end of the world. In them he hath set a tabernacle for the sun, which is as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, and rejoiceth as a strong man to run a race. His going forth is from the end of heaven, and his circuit unto the ends of it, and there is nothing hid from the heat thereof. You know, I, I didn't know much about this. Uh, until a couple of years ago. You know, you see these solar system models and it's got the sun in the middle and it's got the planets all orbiting around, you know, and Earth is out here and you've got all these other planets and the planets in our solar system all rotating around, uh, around the sun. And, and you think we're just sitting here, right? But did you know that we are not just sitting here? <coughs> this is amazing. The sun is moving through space. Now, you might have already known that. You could have gone, man, you are so slow to only just find this out not long ago. I learned this at school. But I, I didn't study this out very much until a little while ago. But I found out that the sun is moving through space. I had to write it down because the numbers are way too big for me to remember. But the sun is moving at around 720,000 kilometres an hour. Think about that. Like now to now, we're not even in the same spot. 720,000 kilometres an hour. The sun is going... Woof, flying through space, pulling, so you know, you see these pictures and you kind of think that it's all flat and the sun's here and the earth is doing this and, and Saturn and Jupiter and Pluto and all of these ones, but actually it's like this and we're going around this way and the sun is going whoosh while we're doing this around the sun. And our orbit around the sun, we are moving at 107,000 kilometres an hour on our orbit around the sun. Because, you know, it takes 365 days to get around our orbit around the sun. So we must really be moving. So while the sun is going 720,000 kilometres an hour this way, we're going 107,000 kilometres an hour this way, spiralling through the Milky Way galaxy. Can you imagine that? Can you, you can't even imagine those speeds. I remember being in a hotted up car once and we were going 180 k's and I thought we were moving. <laughs> we weren't really moving. 
And then as the Earth is orbiting around the sun, ripping through space, we are orbiting on our axis. You know, the day-night thing. And around the equator, that's about 40,000 kilometers around the circumference of the sun. And we are moving at about thousand kilometers an hour. That's really fast, isn't it? At the circumference, at the equator. Yeah. So we are going in all sorts of directions at once here. We're going this way by the sun, we're orbiting and spinning around as we're going around the sun. And the sun is on the Milky Way galaxy, which is just phenomenally huge. I don't even know how big it is. I didn't write it down. It's really big. Uh, the galaxy is spiraling as well. And if the sun was to complete a full orbit around the Milky Way galaxy, do you know how long it would take? It would take about 230 million years to get around the Milky Way at that speed. That's crazy, isn't it? You're trying to think, you cannot think about that. You cannot understand, you cannot fathom. And you know what? God made it so well that you can set a glass of water on it and it won't even spill. <laughs> yeah, you try and do that while you're driving. I can't even drive 60 and not spill a cup of water, right? That's how well God made this. And, and you know, read, read the psalm here. Look what it says about the sun. Look at what it says about the sun. I don't know, did David know more than the scientists these days? He must have. It says, look what it says. Uh, four, it says, The line is gone out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world, in them hath he set a tabernacle for the sun, which is at a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, rejoices a strong man to run a race. This sun is racing around. You know, you can just imagine when God created it and, and you know, just poof, flicked it off. It's, everything's moving. Everything is moving at phenomenal speeds. We cannot imagine. Look what it says, verse 6. His going forth is from the end of the heaven and his circuit unto the ends of it. Did David know that the sun was going around the Milky Way galaxy? I don't know. But he, he, he had insight there, didn't he? It's the, it's the word of God. God, he just wrote down what God told him to write down. God knew. God knows. And so even when I started talking about the sun moving five minutes ago, whatever, we are 700,020 kilometers an hour further in space than we were before. And, and we've orbited around and we've rotated. Right? Can you, can you fathom that? I can't. That's amazing, isn't it? That is amazing. And when you think about space, like a million Earths can fit in our sun. That's how big it is. And it's a small one. There is stars that are way bigger than our sun. You know, they do those zoom out things and our sun goes and these other stars go you seen them? They're really interesting. The heavens declare the glory of God. And you know what? Genesis chapter 1, it just says he made the stars also. <laughs> that is so big. He made the stars also. The heavens declare the glory of God. God shows himself through creation that we're, with, we're without excuse. And, and I've had to tell these people in the youth group, I say, you know, it's sad, and, and I just I'm going to tell you truthfully. I'm going to tell you truthfully. They didn't believe in God. They didn't know the Lord, and they died in their sins. And they didn't know the Lord, and that's what Satan's done. He's blinded their minds, you know. 
Blind are the minds of them which believe not. But the Word of God, let's look at what the Word of God can do. The Word of God is sufficient to save. It can save us. Look what it says, verse 7. If you read verse 7 to 9, there are six statements in here. There are six statements. And it says the first one, it says, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. See what it says? We've got the law of the Lord. We've got three things in that one sentence. We've got the law of the Lord. It's describing and it's saying it is perfect. It is not lacking of anything. It is short. It is not short of anything. It is complete and it converts the soul. It converts a soul. Let's read on. Verse 7 it says, The testimony of the Lord. The testimonies. What the Lord says, the Lord's witness of the word of God, of his word, what he says about it, it is sure. It is true. It is certain. It will not change. You can build upon it. It will not change, it stays how it is, it is sure, and it makes wise the simple. Amen. You know, I didn't know it was sin until the Lord told me it was sin, and then the more you see the law, the more you see how sinful you are, you know, what Paul was saying. I didn't know that was sin, except the Lord showed it to me. Oh, it opened my eyes. God's word opens your eyes, doesn't it? It opens your eyes and shows you things. It shows you, not only does it show you your sin, it shows the holiness of God. And you go, oh man, I have done so many things wrong and God is so holy. And, and you know, that's your eyes opening, you see. And, and then it changes your life. It completely, it can completely change your life. Look at verse 8. It says, The statutes, the statutes of the Lord are right. They're right. They're straight, just. You know, talking like uh, law. They're right. And look what it does. Look what God's word can do for you. Where are we? I've lost my spot. Rejoicing the heart. It rejoices the heart. Doesn't God's word rejoice your heart sometimes? You know, if you read back in the Old Testament, uh, 1 Samuel, I can't remember what chapter it is now, uh, David went out with the Philistines to fight, and they all sent him back and said, we don't want you to fight with us, you'll turn on us. You go back to Ziklag, and he goes back to this town, and the Philistine, or someone else, another enemy had come, and they captured the city where David and his men were staying, and they took all the women and the children and all the goods, and they burnt the city down with fire. Do you know that story? Go back and find it. And you know what? All the people are so discouraged, and they're angry, and they're ready to stone David. David, and they're ready to kill him because all their wives and children and everything are gone and David couldn't do anything and you know what it says he does? It says he encouraged himself in the Lord. He had no one else. He went to the priest and he said give me the ephod and he went and he prayed. Right? He went from like fearing for his life, there's an angry mob who have lost everything, you know David and his men lost everything and they're angry and they're ready to kill him. I mean, that would be a terrifying experience, right? There's an angry, murderous mob. They're soldiers. They know how to kill people. And, and David, what does he do? He goes and prays. And when he does, God speaks to him. And that's what God does for us, doesn't he? He speaks to us. When you're discouraged and when you're, when you're afraid and, and when you don't know what to do and you go and you read, sometimes you just read your favourite passage that you've read a million times in your life and you go back and God opens your eyes, right? Like it just said it does. And then it rejoices your heart, doesn't it? And you go, man, I've read this passage so many times and now I see something. God, wow. And it rejoices your heart, doesn't it? 
It gives you gladness. It gives you joy. It opens your eyes. It can completely change a man. The Word of God can completely change a person. Completely. Every area of their life. Let's keep going down. We'll be for ages. It says, verse 9. Uh, we looked at commandments of the Lord are pure and lightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean. You know, the fear of the Lord, our worship. The fear of the Lord. Whoa. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, right? But fools despise wisdom and instruction. The fear of the Lord is clean and enduring forever. The judgments, the judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. The judgments. What God decrees, the things that he does, the things that he says. Who are we to question? Oh, why did God allow? Oh, that's a dangerous thing. Well, well, I'm a sinner. Why wouldn't God allow it, right? Who, who am I? Why am I so good that God wouldn't do that to me? You know, the fear of the Lord. The judgments of the Lord and true and righteous Altogether, the word of God is sufficient to save. It is sufficient to save. Go over to Romans chapter 10. Book of Romans. Great book. Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10, verse 13, well-known verse, it says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen? We need the Word. We need the Lord. We need the Word of the Lord to show us we cannot get saved on our own. Creation is enough to condemn us. The Bible says you've seen all this stuff, you're without excuse. But my Word can change your life entirely. You know, I, there's a story of a a guy, a man in Papua New Guinea, has passed away, gone to be with the Lord. An elderly man. Uh, he was a witch doctor before he got saved. And a uh, story I heard about him goes, uh, if you know stuff about Papua New Guinean culture, it's very violent. I kill you, you kill my brother. Well, you don't kill because I kill you, but your family kills my brother, kind of thing. You know, the whole payback system, it goes like this. This village fights against this village and they kill some people over there and they all get up and then they get some allies from other villages and they'll go and attack these guys and it goes back and forth and that's what's been happening. Those same fights go back. The things that are happening now go back and back and back and back, payback, payback, payback to their grandparents. Who knows what it is. And what else they do is they get the witch doctors and they practice necromancy. Speaking to the dead, calling spirits, things like this. And uh, this man was a witch doctor before he got saved. Praise the Lord. The word of God can completely change a witch doctor. And he would practice his necromancy. And they would ask the spirits of the people who have been killed. And they say, who did this? Because they want to know who to go and get revenge on, right? And they do all sorts of practices and all sorts of things, which is pretty crazy and, and all sorts of stuff that we don't need to talk about too much. Uh, and, the, you know, they get answers from the spirits or somehow, you know, it's the devil, it's spirits, you know, very animistic culture. And they hear, who's this person? Now, how scary is that? Because, you know, they could just say anyone in the village as well, not just someone from the other village. It could be someone in your own village. 
we know people, and I know of cases that, and I knew a boy who was 12 years old, and they blamed him, and they went and tried to kill this little 12-year-old boy at the time, or some years ago now. And this guy was sick, and he died, and they practiced their witchcraft, and they blamed this guy for working poison on him, and putting a spell on him to kill him, and so they wanted to go and kill, kill this little boy. That, that's the kind of stuff that goes on in Papua New Guinea. And this man used to practice this. And you know what? He heard the gospel, and he got saved. Amen. He passed away, was it last year, maybe the year before? Edda, Papa Edda, you all know him. He's over in another village from us, there's another missionary there, and he was a uh, older man, couldn't read, couldn't write, but loved to sing, well actually loved to listen to everyone sing, but he was a blessing. He opened up for the church to be able to go there in the village called Tirukave. And he got saved. What can change a man like that? What can change? Man, it's so hard, isn't it? The Word of God. His eyes were open. He could see. He could see his sin. He could see what was going on. And he could see, way I've been in sin. This is evil. I'm condemned to go to hell. I need to trust in the Lord. Let's keep reading down here. Look at Romans chapter 10, verse 13. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him if they have not heard, or whom they have not believed? They can't call on the Lord. They don't know who he is. Who is this God that you're talking about? Who is this God, you know? What, what, what Paul, Paul did on Mars Hill, what's that? Is it Acts chapter 17? I can't remember. I've got COVID brain. Seriously, I can't remember anything. Don't even know what, no. Uh, what did he say? He goes, you've got an altar here to an unknown God. Well, you know, I'm going to tell you who he is. I'm going to tell you about that. And they didn't know who God was, who the creator was. You know, they had a million or thousands of other gods like the ancient Greeks did and so many other cultures. But he goes, I'm going to tell you about God. Oh, that's who God is. He's the creator. Verse 14, how shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? How shall they believe on him whom they have not heard? How can they, how can they call on these people if they haven't heard? And that's what these kids in the youth group say. They say, but like, isn't that not fair? How can God be fair? They didn't have a chance to hear God's word. There was no one. There was no missionaries. They were out there in the dark. I said, well, I, I can't. Answer. I'm sorry. I'm sorry about your two moon line. But, but that's what the Bible says. But praise the Lord, now missionaries are here. And you get to hear. And you've heard the gospel. Because now we are here. Don't miss that opportunity, people. You know, how, how can they hear if they haven't even heard? Who is this Jesus? Who is Jesus Christ? How shall they hear without a preacher? We need preachers. How shall they hear? Verse 15. How shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. The gospel can completely change a person. Look at Paul. Look at Saul of Tarsus, the apostle Paul. Before he was a Christian, he murdered Christians. That's a pretty bad dude, right? As a Christian... He's like the worst person ever. Someone who puts Christians and tortures them and kills them. He's the worst person. And the people in Damascus, and they're all afraid of him. And he was on his way, and he had letters. And he was ready to come and arrest women and children, everybody. And you can imagine Ananias when God says, Hey, you go and pray for over Saul. Oh, but he's coming to get us. He's like, God's like, I've got something for him to do. 
What can change? He was a religious person. You know, in the Bible it says that they will kill you thinking they're doing God's work. Sorry, I can't think of the reference right now, but you can find it. And that's what Paul was doing, wasn't he? He was defending his faith, wasn't he? He was killing Christians thinking he was doing God's work. And something changed. Something happened to Paul, uh, Saul. We all know it. His testimony is amazing. Lord, what, what, what wilt thou have me to do? He met the Lord. We need to meet the Lord. People need to meet the Lord. The word of God is sufficient to change, completely change every area of someone's life. And to save them. Look, let's go back to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. I better finish up. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. Uh, you, you know this verse, Romans chapter 1, verse 16. It says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. It's the power of God. The word of God is the power of God to save. You know, John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. We did communion this morning. We're thinking about the Lamb of God that was slain. In the beginning was the Word, John chapter 1. The Word was with God, that's Jesus. And the Word was God, Jesus is God. He's the creator of all things. And John 1, 14 says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Amen? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ came and to pay the price for our sin, because it says the wages of sin is death. You know, we're all under the curse of Adam. Adam, don't eat that tree. You're going to die when you eat that tree. And, and so Satan comes along, tricks Adam and Eve, and they eat the sin. And we're all under the curse of sin. And God hates sin. He doesn't hate sinners. He hates sin. Hates the things that we do. Hates our attitudes. Hates our thoughts. Hates the things that we do, the things that we say. Go back to Psalm 19. Back to Psalm 19. Let's finish this psalm. This psalm of David is amazing. It ends in a short prayer. I love this prayer. Short prayer that it ends with in Psalm 19. Verse 12. It says, Who can understand his errors? And then he says, Cleanse thou me from secret faults. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I love that. I've literally had people say, God couldn't forgive me because I'm too bad. I literally had someone more than once in different times say that to me. I said, no, you're not. Look at this verse. All unrighteousness. Not some. All unrighteousness. Cleanse thou me from secret faults, our secret sins, the things that we have hidden. Lord, forgive me from these things. Verse 13, keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. You know, the things that we do every day. We're sinners, all right? Just admit it. We're sinners. We're all sinners. I sin every single day. And we do these sins and we practice them. And Lord, oh no, we did it again. You know, we fall into these traps, don't we? Oh Lord, help me with my thoughts. Oh Lord, help me with my attitudes. Lord, help me with what I've just said. And these, these things that we do every day and they're practices. And as you're growing in the Lord, you find these things and you go, oh, sometimes you're doing things you don't even know they're sin. And you go, well, actually, the Lord just showed me something here. I need to change my something. 
And that's the Lord. That's the word of the Lord. Converting the soul, you see. It's opening your eyes. It's making wise the simple because we were simple. And as we grow in the Lord, we're becoming wiser and we're learning and we're growing and we're seeing these things. Oh, Lord, okay, I need to stop doing that now. And it says, then I shall be in upright. Uh, let them not have dominion over me. Lord, these things, these things that I practice, these and they're not even sins. So there's sometimes they're just hindrances and they're things that are just holding me back and slowing me down. Lord, don't let them have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright. Okay, Lord, help me to be upright. Then I shall be innocent of the great transgression. Oh, that's an interesting part. The great transgression. I believe that one of the worst things that a Christian can do is go into apostasy. That's scary. Let's just quickly look at that. Go to 2 Peter chapter 2. We'll, we'll just look at that really quickly before we finish this psalm. Short on time. 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 20. And here's why I say this. 2 Peter chapter 2 verse 20 it says for if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ you see they've escaped they've seen and, and, and you see people in churches and you wonder maybe they weren't really saved and, and they come and they've seen and they've been a part of it and they've experienced God's blessings and they've escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and, and overcome. The latter end is worse than them at the beginning. I'm not talking about Christians losing salvation. But people have known and grown up and been in church and experienced the blessings and seen it for many years and to give up and go, nah. That's a scary thought. And, and, and the Lord showed me once, and, and then I feared for children growing up in churches and Christian homes. You've seen it, you've tasted it, you've taken part of it, and then you've rejected it. This is talking about apostasy. Verse 21, it says, For it had been better for them that they have not known the way of righteousness than after they have known it to turn from the holy commandments delivered to them. Better to not know. Oh my. How scary is that? That is a terrifying thought. And, and some years ago when the Lord showed this to me and then I became even more and more concerned about my own children. And youth. I like working with the youth. We had a great youth group there. We had about 20, 20, you know, anywhere between 18 to 25 kids regularly on a Sunday. It's a Sunday school class I teach them and Sunday afternoon youth class. Ah, it was a blessing. You know, kids that have grown up in church and been there. Um, that, that's scary. Go back to Psalm 19. We'll finish up this psalm. Then I shall be innocent of the great transgression. Lord, keep me from sin. Keep me from turning away from you. I'm not saying Christians lose salvation. No way, but many people sit in church for years who are unsaved. And Christians do lose rewards, for sure. So another time. I'll let your pastor deal with that one. <laughs> 
Verse 14, let's finish up here with this last little bit of a prayer of David. It says, Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. Can't do anything outside of the Lord. We can't get saved. We can't do anything. The best you've got is dirty rags, the Bible says. It's nothing. You can't do anything. The Lord is my strength and my redeemer. My redeemer. He bought me. That's what redeem means. He bought us into his family. You've been bought with a price. You are not your own. You know, Corinthians 6, it says, uh, what does it say? say Rome Corinthians 6 says, your body is not your own. You've been bought with a Christ. Glorify God that, I don't know if I'm mixing up verses there or what. You get the gist of it. We've been bought. He's the redeemer. We, our salvation didn't come for free. It was free for us. But it wasn't free for God because God hates sin and he's ready for to judge. And Jesus says, wait, I will pay. Wait, I will die for their sins. God's ready to judge. And if you read the Old Testament, when they go into sin and they worship the golden calf, when Moses brings them out and he's up on the mountain, and it's a really exciting story, go back and study it, and God is angry with the Israelites and he goes, I'm just going to wipe them all out and use you. And Moses says, no, don't blot me out. He mediates. You know how many times he does that? I don't know how many times, but he did it more than once. He did Maybe two or three times he mediated, interceded on behalf of the Israelites. They didn't even know what's going on. Moses comes down, his face is glowing, and they're just scared of him. And he's been up there saving their lives. And Jesus did the same for us. Wait, Father. Wait. We have one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ. One mediator. One priest, a high priest, one sacrifice, once and for all, my Redeemer. My Redeemer lives. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for what you've done, for redeeming us, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, Lord. We just thank you for the work you've done on the cross to die for us, that your word is totally sufficient to save and to change Lord, we just thank you for what you've done. We thank you for saving us. Thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen.